0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do. Would you please take them out and go to the book of Luke? Luke chapter 1 is where we are today as we are continuing uh, our series titled A Christmas Playlist where we are looking at the songs of Christmas. We're looking at the original songs of Christmas. There are four songs uh, that are found in the birth narratives they are found in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Last week, we looked at Zachariah's song, uh, which is called the Benedictus, and this morning we are going to look at Mary's song, which is called the Magnificat. The Magnificat, it's a Latin word that comes from uh, Luke 1, verse 46, when Mary says, my soul exalts the Lord. And so we are going to be looking at what is considered to be a very unique song, It's a very unique song, um, much like many unique Christmas songs. You want to play a game real quick? Let's play a game called Name That Tune. On a Name That Tune, here are some unique Christmas songs. Look at your name and say, I'm I'm really ready for this. Here's the first unique song, Name That Tune. Here you go. Anybody know that one? You know you're the All right, very good. That is "Run, Run, Rudolph." Oh, praise God for that song, right? By Chuck Berry. If you've watched the Christmas movie Home Alone, you know that one. Very good. All right, you're one for one. Here's this is this is a this is a crazy song. You're gonna know it quickly. Here you go. Here's the second one. Here you go. What in the world is that song about? I won a hippopotamus for Christmas. Y'all know that song, don't you? I mean, is that not a weird song? That is crazy. That is crazy. All right, two for two. Here's, I I don't know. This 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 one may take the cake. Here you go. Here's the third one. Here you go. Dominic the donkey, jingy Christmas donkey. All right, cut that off. Dominic the donkey. What in the world? Dominic the donkey, the story of a donkey making sure Santa delivers toys in Italy. Praise God. Well... One blog writer said this about Dominic the Donkey. Since 1960, Dominic the Donkey has become a cult classic. Because people can't believe it exists. <laughs> Isn't that good? Because they can't believe it exists. Well, our text this morning is a song that many people can't believe exists. Many people cannot believe that the text that we're looking at this morning, that it exists. This passage of Scripture, we're going to look at verse 26 through 55. It is, in my estimation, one of the most beautiful, one of the most powerful, one of the most awe-inspiring songs in all of Scripture. In our text this morning, we find the unique details of God's plan to redeem mankind. And as a result of this, this is this unique song. It details God's plan, and it tells of a unique birth. And what I want us to see this morning is this. I want us to see how one girl made adjustments in her life... Because of this major event. This event literally changed the world. I want you to follow along with me. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 55. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. And let's read this story. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was a descendant of of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, now this is the angel Gabriel, he's coming in to speak to Mary, this is his second mission impossible trip. He has spoken to Zacharias earlier, but this is his second Mission Impossible trip, and he comes in and he says to Mary, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was perplexed at this statement, and she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. I want you to look at that Greek word perplexed, or that word perplexed for just a moment. The Greek word for perplexed, it means this, that she was petrified. She was scared to death. Now, I don't know about you, but if an angel ever shows up at my door, I think I may be a little afraid as well. Amen? I mean, an angel shows up unexpectedly and she is perplexed. She is frightened. She is scared. Now, what I want you to see, because we're familiar with this story, but what I want you to see is watch how God through Gabriel handles fear. Watch how God, through Gabriel, how he handles Mary's fears. Look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, that Greek phrase, don't be afraid, it's in It's in the present imperative, which you are going, thank you, pastor, for sharing that with me this morning. What does that mean? The present imperative means this, that God, through the angel, is speaking directly to Mary at that moment in the present. The imperative means it is a command. Excuse me. It is a command. So Mary is perplexed by the angel coming to speak to her. She's pondering what the salutation is. She's afraid, and God through Gabriel says, Mary, stop fearing. Do not be afraid. It is a command, but we need to understand this. It is a command out of comfort. God sees that she's afraid. I mean, she's she's. she's She's a young girl from 12 to 16 years old. She's she's engaged to be married. She's got the rest of her life in front of her, and now she receives this visit from an angel, and she is afraid, and the angel Gabriel says, Mary, don't be afraid. He comforts her. Moms, dads, I don't know if you remember these moments with your children or not, but do you ever remember having to comfort your child when they're afraid? Do you remember those moments when you comfort your son or your daughter when they are afraid? And in those moments, here's, here's what you do. You don't scold them, you hold them, right? You don't yell at them and get onto them for being afraid. Instead, what you do is you, you hold them and you, and you comfort them and then you give them reasons why they don't need to be afraid. You grab hold of your son, of your daughter, and you say, listen, don't be afraid. Daddy's here, or, 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 or mommy's here, and you say, it's going to be okay. This is what the angel Gabriel's doing to Mary. She's frightened. She doesn't know really what's going on, and, and God through Gabriel says, listen, Mary, don't be afraid. I'm here. I've got you, and he gives the reason why she doesn't need to be afraid. And he gives her, he says, Mary, I'm going to give you good news. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Everything's good, Mary, because you have found favor with God. He says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, here's what's interesting about that phrase you have found favor with God. That phrase is only used by Luke, he's the only one who uses this phrase in all of the New Testament. Obviously, he uses it in his gospel account of Luke, but he uses it in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote. When he uses the phrase, you have found favor with God. Now, I want you to hear this out because this is extremely important when it comes to the virgin birth. The phrase, you have found favor with God, literally means this God has chosen to do something special for you out of his good pleasure. Meaning, Mary did not do anything to deserve God's outpouring of his grace. God freely bestowed upon Mary grace. He gave her his good favor. He gave her grace. And so, Mary is a recipient Of grace. And you may be saying, Pastor, why why are you even bringing this up? What, What does this matter? It matters. It matters to know that Mary is a recipient of grace because there is a belief that Mary is a co redeemer with Christ. There's a belief that Mary is a co redeemer with Christ, which means this Mary helps Christ in redemption. Or that Mary helps you and I in redemption. She's a co-redeemer. There is that belief. There are some who believe that Mary is also a co-mediator with Christ, meaning that Mary mediates between humanity and the Heavenly Father. There's that belief in the world today, and there is the belief that Mary is not a recipient of grace, but but rather she is a bestower of grace, meaning that Mary gives grace to others. That is a predominant thought in much of the world, but our text refutes those thoughts about Mary. Mary is not a bestower of grace. She is a recipient of grace, just like me and you. Does that make sense to everybody? She is a recipient of grace. God says, Mary, don't, 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 don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I want to shower you with grace. I've chosen you. I've chosen you to do something special, and I'm going to shower you with grace. Look at verse number 31. And here's... The favor that God bestows upon Mary. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And then verse number 34, I love this verse. And Mary said to them, um... How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, I don't know if many of you remember this TV show, but I watched it growing up, and it's called Different Strokes. Do you remember that? Starred an actor by the name of Gary Coleman, who played Arnold. He had a brother named Willis, and any time Willis said something to Arnold that did not make sense or Arnold needed clarification, what would Arnold say? That's exactly right. What you talking about, Willis? Right in the margin of your Bible, write this. This is a what you talking about, Willis moment right here. <laughs> Mary says, what? How can this be? Gabriel, how, how can this be since I am a virgin? And in comfort and in grace, God through Abri- Gabriel continues to shower her with favor, and he answers her. He says, Mary, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Th- that phrase, will overshadow you, shadow you, shadow you, is, is the same phrasing that the Old Testament uses to refer in Moses' tabernacle when the Spirit of God filled the tabernacle, when the cloud filled the tabernacle. It filled the entire room. It's the same phrasing that is used when the psalmist writes in Psalm 91, verse 1, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So when when Mary says, how can this be? How can this really happen? God says through Gabriel, here's what's going to happen, Mary. Here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of the Almighty is going to overshadow you meaning she is going to be filled with the spirit the holy spirit of god is just going to envelop her and overtake her life i want you to write this word down out in the margin of the bible out beside verse 35 write this word down write the word doctrine d-o-c-t-r-i-n-e write the word doctrine Because here, what we have just read, it is the doctrine of the virgin birth. This is an extremely important doctrine in our faith. Next to the crucifixion, next to the resurrection, this event garners a great amount of attention the doctrine of the virgin birth. I heard the story of, a, of an eight-year-old boy who was extremely knowledgeable of Scripture, and he began to have this conversation with his mom about the virgin birth, and he, and he looked at his mom, and he said, Mom, um, which virgin was the mother of Jesus? The virgin Mary or the King James virgin? <laughs> I mean, this is a big deal, right? I mean, the virgin, the doctrine... The doctrine of the virgin birth, what we celebrate here at Christmas time, folks, this is extremely important in our faith. This is foundational to our faith and it cannot be denied. We are to be followers of Christ and this is one of the things that we are to believe. That we are to have the faith of a child and to believe the doctrine of the virgin birth. Now, let me give you. Let me give you four quick statements about the virgin birth. This isn't on the screen, and you can write these down, but here's four statements about the virgin birth that I believe that we need to understand. Number one, the virgin birth is clearly taught in the Bible. The birth of Jesus from a virgin was prophesied 700 years before Christ was born. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Matthew gives his account of the virgin birth. Luke, what we're reading and studying uh, today, gives his account of the virgin birth. The virgin birth is clearly taught in the Bible. Number two, the virgin birth has it has been universally believed by all denominations of the Christian faith. Um, evangelicals believe it. Uh, 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 Protestants have believed it. Uh, Orthodox believe it. Catholics have believed it as well. And so this is, it has been a universally believed uh, doctrine. But here's the third thing that we need to understand about the virgin birth. The virgin birth of Christ is not the immaculate conception. It is not the immaculate conception. Now, I know some of you men who are football fans, you may be thinking of the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers and Franco Harris, who made a miraculous catch that has been titled The Immaculate Reception. It's not what we're talking about here. Immaculate means miraculous. But many people believe, wrongly believe, that the Immaculate Conception is the teaching that Jesus was conceived by a virgin. That's what many. People believe, but they believe that incorrectly. The Immaculate Conception, again, this is being taught. The Immaculate Conception is the teaching that Mary herself was immaculately conceived. And that Mary herself, from her conception, was filled with divine grace, meaning that she was sinless, so that she could give birth to Jesus and not pass on original sin. That's the Immaculate Conception that is being taught. Do you see that we have a problem with the Immaculate Conception? Mary was not sinless. Mary has never been sinless. Mary was just like you and I. So the virgin birth, it's been taught by scripture, it's been universally believed, it's not the immaculate conception. And the fourth thing that I want to share with you is this, in the last 150 years, just in the last 150 years, the virgin birth has been hotly debated, but only in the last 150 years. Up until about 150 years ago, the virgin birth was overwhelmingly received, But since then, since the rise of liberal Christianity or liberal theology, liberal meaning this, that they do not have a literal uh, view of God's word, that they believe that you can make God's word say what you want it to say, that's a liberal view of Christianity, that's a liberal view of Scripture. Since the rise of liberal Christianity, this doctrine has come under, under debate. Some theologians have said this, you know what, this virgin birth is just a superstition. It's really not true. Some theologians have said that this is a legend just to make Jesus divine. Some have said this is just a pagan myth. Now listen to this, a well-known and popular pastor, who many of you follow, have said this in one of his sermons on Christmas and the virgin birth. He said this, one of the challenging things about the Christmas season and one of the challenging things about the Christmas story is, in fact, the Christmas story as it relates to the birth of Jesus. Because there's so much miraculous, that it's so amazing, that it is truly unbelievable, uh, that it's truly unbelievable. A lot of people don't believe it. And I understand that. And he goes on to say this. If somebody could predict their own death and their own resurrection, I'm not at all that concerned about how they got into the world. Because the whole resurrection thing is so amazing. And then he says, Christianity doesn't hinge on the truth or even the stories around the birth of Jesus. That should make you gasp that a well-known, popular pastor whom many of you have listened to said that Christianity does not hang on the truth or even the stories around the birth of Jesus. He says all that matters in the life of Jesus is his resurrection. Now, is he right in saying that the only thing in our faith that matters is the resurrection of Jesus? No. Now, we do not deny the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? The reason Jesus is born, because that leads to the resurrection. I mean, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, emphasizes the importance of the resurrection. But you and I, we cannot deny the significance of the virgin birth. If there's no virgin birth, then there's no need for the resurrection. I want you to write this down. The virgin birth matters because lives have been changed because of the baby that we celebrate at Christmas. The virgin birth matters because lives have been changed because of the baby that we celebrate at Christmas time. The virgin birth is extremely important. And what I want to do in our rest of our text, I've got about another hour to speak is I want to share with you how Mary's life changed and how she made the proper adjustments in her life because of this virgin birth. Mary's life was changed because of the virgin birth. And the story of the gospel is this. Your life can be changed because of the virgin birth as well. I I want you to write this down. Number one, write this down. Mary decided to count the cost of obedience. Because of the virgin birth, because of God showering her with favor and saying, you are going to be the mother of the Christ child, here's what Mary said. I'm going to decide to make a decision to be obedient to Christ. Look at verse number 38. And Mary said, behold, and this is after the angel Gabriel has told her, Her job in this world, Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord may be done to me according to your word. And I want you to notice what Mary does here. One, she listens to the word of the Lord. When Gabriel comes to Mary, it is God himself who is revealing himself to Mary. And when God has revealed himself to her, Mary makes the necessary adjustments to be in union with his will for her life. I don't know if you all remember the story or remember the book or the Bible study written by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. Many of you may remember that. I think one of the greatest Bible studies that is out there. But in that study, Henry Blackaby said this. Whenever God reveals Himself to you, it is His invitation for you to join Him in His work. And when He invites you to join Him in His work, it always leads to a crisis of belief. When God speaks, listen, when God speaks, when God reveals Himself to you, when you have an encounter with the Heavenly Father through the reading of His Word, through worshiping with other believers in Christ Jesus, through prayer, Or maybe somebody has spoken to you, and you have an encounter with the living God, that revelation of himself to you is his invitation to you to join him in his work. Meaning this, God wants you to join him where he is already working. And so in our text, in our story, God reveals himself to Mary and says, Mary, I want you to join me in my work, and I want you to do what I I have for you. And whenever God reveals Himself to you, it's going to lead to a crisis of belief. And I don't know—I don't know if this is—if you've experienced this or not. But I've had this experience in my life on several occasions that when God asks me to do something or reveals Himself to me, I always question it. Is anybody with me? And it leads to a crisis of belief. Should I obey Him? I hear you, but should I obey him or should I not obey him and stay exactly where I am? In all through scripture, you see men and women whom God has revealed himself to and they come to a crisis of belief. Think about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. God says, Hey, Joshua, I want you to take your men and I want you to, you know, I just want you to walk around the walls of Jericho and then after the seventh time, I want you to yell and the walls are going to fall down. Joshua, yeah, okay, God, whatever. That's impossible. But here's what Joshua does. he's has got a crisis of belief. Think about Gideon and his 300 men. The nation of Israel is under attack by multiple armies, by the, by the Amalekites, the Midianites, the Termites. They are all after them. <laughs> They're under attack, and Gideon gathers an army. Listen, listen, I, I want you to get this. Gideon, he, he collects 32,000 men to go to battle. 32,000. He's like, God, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to battle. And, and God just, just taps on his shoulder and says, hey, Gideon, I need you to take away 31,700 of those men. What? God, you really, you want me to take away over 31, you want me to fight with 300 men? There are countless men out there. God, we can't do that. God says, you just trust me. Gideon had a crisis of belief, did he not? He had a crisis of belief. Think about Peter. Peter's a fisherman. And not one time in Peter's life, when he was fishing, did he ever take a fish out of the water, out of the net, and find a coin in the fish's mouth? Not one time until Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, here's what I want you to do. I want you, since we need to pay our taxes, he says this, I want you to go fish, pick up the fish, and there you're going to find a coin. Peter, no, Jesus, you're, you're crazy, Jesus. This has never happened, Jesus. Do you not understand? This isn't normal, Jesus. Jesus said, trust me. Just trust me. He had a crisis of belief. But here's what's great about about Joshua, about Gideon, about Peter, and about Mary. Is they made the decision to obey. And because they obeyed, God did amazing things through them. Now, is obeying God costly? Look at your neighbor and say, you bet it is. When you obey God, it is going to cost you something. When God reveals himself to you, as he revealed himself to Mary, it literally changes your life. And when God reveals himself, you have to decide whether or not you are going to count the cost. Because there comes a cost at following Jesus. Think about what Mary had to give up. Her reputation. Here's a young teenage girl who is not married, it hasn't been consummated, and she shows up pregnant. So Mary, how, how did this happen? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, God, okay, Mary, and she shunned. And for years, she had to give up her reputation. Can you imagine what those nine months were like for Mary? Walking around, showing her pregnancy, always having to answer the question, who's the the father's daddy? Who's the child's daddy? Who is it, Mary? Mary? She chose to obey, anyways. Folks, I think there's a great message in that for us today. And, students, a great message for you. Because you're going to experience things that, that I've never experienced, that my, my parents never experienced, that my grandparents. You're going to experience things that we have not experienced because of the times that we're living in. And you're going to have to choose whether or not you're going to count the cost to follow Jesus Christ. And He's going to ask some of you are you going to count the cost? And you don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you. And we need boys and we need girls. We need men and women who say, you know what? I'm going to count the cost. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to obey God because he's got a plan for me. And when you do that, when you do that, it opens up the door for God to work through you. It opens up the door for God to do the miraculous through you. When He say, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if, if we live in a canceled I don't care what the culture says about me. I know that I had an interaction. I had a revelation from God that's been confirmed in his word. It's been confirmed by other people. And I know I'm in God's will. And I'm going to do it. I don't care what it costs me. following Christ, listen, following Christ is risky. Following Christ, he's going to ask you to do things that are risky. He's going to ask you to do things that cause you to to step out of faith. He doesn't want you to remain in the comfort zone. He says, I want you to get out. I want to reveal myself to you, and then I want you to obey me. And Mary, here. She says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me, O God, according to your word. Notice she doesn't say, "Mm, Hey, God, I've got other plans for my life. How often have we said that? God, this doesn't fit into my plans. She says, God, I will do what you want me to do. Here's the second thing that we see Mary do. Look at verses 39 through 45. Mary dared to share the good news with others. Y'all have a few more minutes. I'm, I'm running late on time, which is normal, but can I have permission to go a little bit further? Can I do that? Here's what we're going to do, okay? We're just going to stay here until 6 o'clock, <laughs> and then we're just going to conclude with a great night of worship, okay? All right? We'll call a restaurant to bring in food, All right, just give me a couple more minutes because this this is good. Number two, the second thing that Mary did was this. Mary dared to share the good news with others. One, she she made a decision. I'm counting the cost. I'm going to do it. God, I'm with you. And then she decides, you know, I'm going to tell people about it. I'm going to tell what God's doing in my life. I'm going to tell them what the good news. Look at verse 39. Now, this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country. Meaning she did not delay. She she received the good news, and immediately she went and she shared the good news. She went to the hill country, city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby leaped in her womb. By the way, that is proof that a baby is a human. Amen? Amen? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out. But the loud voice said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped with joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. She shared the good news, and she did not hesitate. Ladies, when you find out that you are pregnant, What do you want to do? You want to share it, don't you? You want to tell everybody the good news. I remember when Angela and I found out that we were pregnant with our oldest daughter, Abigail. We were living in Atlanta at the time and Angela naturally wanted to share the good news with her mom. It just happened to be around Easter time and her mom was coming out to visit us anyways and so Angela said, well, let's think of a creative way to share with my mom that we are expecting. So Angela created this package where she had two baby bottles. One was filled with pink candies. The other one was filled with baby blue candies. And then we bought a bib that said this, you're the best grandma. Put it in this package. It was Beautiful her mom comes to our our apartment and and, uh, we give her the package and she opens the package and she has a confused look on her face. I mean, she looks at the bib, you're the best grandma, and then she looks at our dog. (laughs) It's a true story. We had... Our dog Titan, he was was a puppy at that time. So she looks at the dog, Titan. She looks back at the bib. You're the best grandma. And then she looks back at Titan and says, Titan, thank you so much for my bib. You're the best grand dog ever. At this point, my wife jumps out of the seat of the couch and yells, Mom, I'm pregnant. And her mom was like, oh, great, good. Why didn't you tell me? You know, anyways. <laughs> but listen, but what we see here is as soon as Mary receives the good news, she goes and tells somebody. She goes and tells somebody. She tells somebody else the good news. It's another message for us at Christmas time, amen? Folks, we have good news. And the good news only becomes good news to those who need it when it gets to them in time. It is not good news for you once you pass from this earth if you've never received the good news down here. Folks, we've got the good news. And we, like Mary, we need to dare to share the good news. Amen? So Mary decided to count the cost. Mary dared to share the good news. And here's the last thing, and then we'll be done. Number three, Mary delighted in God's will. Look at verse 46. Mary delights. She she burst out in song. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord. The Greek word for exalt is megaluno. What's literally means to make great, to make great. As soon as she has decided to obey the Lord and be in agreement with his calling on her life, she tells other people about it, and then she breaks out in song. She says, God, I want to make your name great. God, it's about you. Thank you for using me, but God, it is about you and about your story of how you're going to send the Messiah. You've prophesied this, oh God, and now you're going to use me to make your name great. Verse 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary burst out in song and says, God, I just want to tell you that I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And she says, God, I'm in agreement with my lot in life, and I want to bring you glory. What I love about this is that you never see Mary complain. Are you with me? She doesn't complain. She doesn't talk back to God and say, well, you know, God, I don't know if this is a really a good plan. You know, it's never been done before. She doesn't complain. Rather, what she does is she bursts out in song. She bursts out in song, and she delights in doing God's will. And She says, God, no matter what takes place, I'm all in. You know, there's that great song that we hear so often at Christmas time called Mary, Did You Know? It's a great song. But the question is posed in that song, Mary, Did You Know? Did You Know that all these miraculous things were going to happen? Well, the answer to that question is yes, she knew. Do you know why? Because God revealed these things to her. And Mary knew that her heart was going to be pierced when she saw her son crucified. She knew that there was going to be pain in following God's call on her life, but you know what she did? She delighted anyways. Listen, I, I I don't know what you're going through this Christmas season. For some of you, it may be pain. But know this, that even in your pain, you can still take delight in God's will. Amen? You can still take delight. You can still rejoice that Christ has come. And he's come to redeem mankind. Because that's the story of the virgin birth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for the example of Mary how her life was changed because of the virgin birth. Father, I pray that our lives too would be changed. Father, if there's any adjustments that we want to make in our life to being aligned with the miraculous, the supernatural power of the virgin birth, Father, I pray that we would commit to doing that. Maybe some of us need to commit to obeying what you've already asked us to do. Maybe somebody, maybe some of us need to commit to to telling people the good news. And we need to make the adjustments for that. Maybe some of us need to, just need to sing praises to God. Father, I pray that we would make the right adjustments because of the virgin birth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.